Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and happy holidays. Welcome in on back to the Brews on the Balcony football show. This is our midweek show brought to you by our fantastic sponsors. And if I sound a little different today, I am your host, Zach Zook. It is because your boy got hooked up with a brand new microphone for Christmas. So hopefully the sound quality of these will be improving as we're always looking to improve. That's the BOTB football difference. Uh, We got a quick show. This will be a quick show, a little 20-minute show to uh, talk about the implications for Week 17 because there are some things on the line still for some of these teams. I'll give you what to watch for this week. If you're going to be watching football, there's still games to pick. Who will be potentially rest? in their starters who has something to play for that will uh, be giving full effort because week 17 and this is why most fantasy championships end in week 16 is because it really is a crapshoot you have no idea what you're going to get in that final week of the regular season but first a shout out to our sponsors uh, Cafe Telegraph who has sponsored us for the live show every Sunday that has concluded for the season but fantastic hosts for us us. Uh, they were so gracious to us all season long. Christian firing up my wings. The best smoked meats in town. Fantastic place and atmosphere to take in a football game, whether you're watching with your friends or you just want to come by yourself. Come hang out with us. Have a couple beers with us. Uh, we we uh, had a ton of fun this year and uh, we hope to be back there next year. We're also brought to you by Kay Roberts at Remax Gold. Kay Roberts, one of the best real estate agents in the St. Louis area, just actually finished helping uh, TJ move into his his new home helped him purchase his first house him and Laura uh no longer in the apartment life so uh they uh they practice what they preach uh Kay Roberts is one of the best so uh it was a pretty easy decision for them to go with her and and she got them a great deal on their first house we're also brought to you by STL Distillery in St. Charles STL Distillery famous for their uh vodka distilled from craft beer it's called their brew vodka BRU 19.99 a bottle if you go in there purchase a bottle of brew vodka if you need a late christmas gift if you're going to celebrate the new year with alcohol like all people should then go get yourself a bottle of brew vodka and while you're in there mention brews on the balcony or any of the hosts and you'll get a free tour and tasting from stl distillery again that's in st charles we're also brought to you by family finance mortgage and sarah Barron. give sarah Barron a call at 314-537-1282 she can help you refi on your mortgage or get one started again that's sarah Barron with family finance mortgage 314-537-1282 let's get into the show So usually we have a whole host of different topics that we like to talk about on this show, but this week, with it being the holiday season and with there being not a ton to talk about as the Patriots uh, filming the Bengals hasn't quite really been resolved yet, there haven't been any more announcements on that as far as I can think of, Uh, with there not being really a ton of news, I figure we could just go through what to watch for for week 17. There's typically a lot of intrigue on the line in week 17 and a lot of playoff seating yet to be determined on the final week of the regular season, but it's not really like that so much this year. You always typically get a couple teams resting, but there's also typically a lot at stake in terms of seating 
and who's going to get what wild card and who's going to be left at home for the postseason. So we'll go through first the AFC, then the NFC, the playoff picture for both teams. And then to finish it off, we'll do some speculation on who we think may be getting fired on Black Monday because coaches will be let go following the Sunday games, maybe even after uh, some games on, I think they have games on Saturday this weekend. And then, uh, of course, on Black Monday is when a lot of the coaches get fired. It's typically... uh, Black Monday hasn't been as eventful because a lot of times they'll just be let go following the final game, which I think is a little cutthroat, but uh, to each is their own, I guess. So let's start off first with the AFC. We have the Ravens who have already locked up home field advantage in their conference, followed by the Patriots, followed by the Chiefs, followed by the Texans. Now, the Chiefs can jump the Patriots to get a bye if they are successful in their Week 17 game against the Chargers and the Patriots lose against the Miami Dolphins, the Patriots are 12 and three. The Chiefs are 11 and four. They are all they've all they've all clinched their uh, division. So they're only they're only fighting for who will be that two seed. And the Patriots have a leg up in games with the with the record. However, the Kansas City Chiefs have the head to head. And so if the Kansas City Chiefs could get to twelve and four and the Patriots lose to the Miami Dolphins to fall to twelve and four, the Chiefs would then vault them and get a first round bye. However, with the Patriots playing the Miami Dolphins, that is not not very likely. So it's it, barring an upset for the Patriots in, in the Dolphins. Now keep your eye on that game because though it's a division game, they can get they can get a little weird. But it, unless the if as long as the Patriots take care of business, the the seating is is basically set in the in the AFC. You're gonna get Ravens one, Pats two with a bye. Then uh, playing on a wild card weekend will be the Chiefs and Texans hosting playoff games to face the Bills. And then here is where you have a little bit of intrigue, at least in the AFC, because you get the Titans and the Steelers, two teams fighting for essentially one playoff spot. The Bills have already clinched a playoff spot, uh, and they will be the five seed no matter what. They are 10-5. and five. The Steelers and the Titans are both 8-7. and seven. So the Titans, as it turned out last week, their game in which they hosted the Saints, because of tiebreakers, really didn't matter because they were... Uh, they, 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 it was all going to come down to the Texans game regardless. So even if they lost that game, it wouldn't have mattered even if the Steelers had won because they wouldn't have gained any ground regardless. So I think that is a big reason why the t- Titans sat Derrick Henry. I would anticipate he plays this weekend. I haven't been online with the holidays. It's just been weird. Haven't really checked the injury reports or haven't really gone through my weekly routine of information gathering like I normally would, but as far as I know, I I would expect him to to suit up. This is a de facto playoff game for the Titans. You win and you're in. Last year, they had had one of these against the Colts, and they had it at home, and they came out incredibly flat, and I think that Mike Vrabel is bound and determined to turn that around this year. They're facing another division rival, the Texans, who have already clinched the division and should be resting players because they can't gain any ground on the Chiefs. They're locked into that four seed, so Deshaun Watson probably won't play. They're going to rest a lot of studs. That said, it should make the, the Titans' job a little bit easier. Now, if Bill O'Brien decides to play starters as maybe, you know, I don't want to let the Titans in the playoffs for free, 
that then that makes their job a little harder. However, you're typically just worried about your team and what you can control rather than the opposition. So I would anticipate I'm, I'm actually going to pick the Titans in that game. I know we're doing our picks later, but uh, I, I like the Titans in that one. They win and they're in. If they win, it does not matter what the Steelers do on the final weekend. Uh, as long as they take care of business, they will be the sixth seed. However, Here's where things get interesting. Steelers with the same record at 8-7. and seven. They really stubbed their toe against the Jets last Sunday. But again, as it turns out, it doesn't really matter because the Titans, with the tiebreaker, it, would not, it didn't matter uh, with the Saints. But it all comes down to Week 17, as we've stated. Now, the Steelers, again... They play a very tough opponent, but they play the Ravens. So the Ravens are the one seed, and Lamar Jackson, is they've already stated, will not play. They're going to be resting a lot of their starters. The Ravens got incredibly banged up in that Browns game. They lost Mark Ingram to injury. Uh, Lamar Jackson got banged up at times. I believe they also lost uh, Andrews, the tight end, uh, through during that game as well. So... The Ravens are going to try and get healthy here and give their guys a double bye week, their important ones. So again, the Steelers' job is made easy. Now, if you look at the projections and the probabilities, the probability for the Titans to make the postseason is 67%, while the Steelers sit at just 28%. The Raiders have the slimmest of chances. They're the only other team in which it's possible for them to somehow get in. They're the nine seed right now. But if things fall just their way and they get about 20 million different things to happen, they have a 4% chance to get into uh, the playoffs. So, I, I mean... Take it for what you will. I think the Titans are are probably going to make it. And uh, I still think the Steelers are going to have their hands full with the Ravens. I'm still not convinced that they can win that game uh, at M&T Bank Stadium in, in Baltimore, even with Baltimore resting some of their starters, because the the defense for Pittsburgh is solid. But as we've seen throughout the season... They have a a quarterback crisis on their hands. I mean, it's really a miracle that Mike Tomlin has them on the brink of a playoff appearance despite what he's gotten from that position and despite losing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell as two best offensive skill players in the offseason prior. So what he's been able to do with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges has has been nothing short of amazing, but I think the ride is probably going to end right there. You go down to the NFC, and the NFC has a little bit more intrigue. Again, not much. The uh, Five out of the six uh, playoff teams have been decided, and both of the wild cards have been decided. The next closest, the Rams in the seventh seed, is 8-7. and seven. The Vikings are 10-5, and five, so they have already clinched the sixth seed. I think we're good. they're the sixth seed regardless. Even if, even if the Seahawks lose and the Vikings win, I believe the... Uh, now I think that they can actually technically jump the Seahawks next week if they beat the Bears and the uh, Seahawks lose because I believe the Vikings beat them in the regular season. Now I got to go check because I'm not sure. Nope, Vikings lost 37-30. to That was a prime time. Yes, that's right. That was the Monday night game that Kirk Cousins fell to 0-8 on Monday night. So the Seahawks own the tiebreaker. Therefore, they've clinched the five seeds. So the Vikings will be in the sixth seed no matter what. The Seahawks and or the 49ers will be in the five seed no matter what because both of those teams will 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 have had either better records or the tiebreaker over the Vikings depending on how it shakes out. Now here's where it gets interesting. The West is still up for grabs and the East is still technically up for grabs. In the West, you have the 49ers who are 12 and 3. 
They are facing the Seahawks, who are 11-4. and Now, the Seahawks beat them the first time. That was the overtime game that nearly ended in a tie, uh, that the Seahawks were able to outlast the 49ers and win. Now, I believe that game is in Seattle. Let me check real quick. Yes, it is in Seattle. It is Sunday night football for all the marbles. Uh, the winner gets the one seed. The loser has to play. Not only does not get a bye, <laughs> not only does not get a bye, not only does not get home field throughout the playoffs, they have to play on wild card weekend, and they have to play a road game, and they will be the road team throughout the postseason. So this game is huge. Uh, this game is of gigantic proportions, and I, I, I ultimately, I think I believe in the 49ers here, but... It's going to be a tough one. I'll have to wait for my picks to, to give my pick between the Seahawks and the 49ers. But uh, but th- that's that's the game to watch. I mean, if you're going to pick one game, watch Sunday night for the 49ers and the Seahawks. Because uh, if the 49ers lose, the Packers be, would become the one seed. The Seahawks would, I believe, become the two seed. And the Saints would be the three. Uh, if the 49ers win, of course, everything stays, stays, uh, stays put in the standings and then you go down to number two Packers as long as they win against the Lions on Sunday they will still be the two seed and get a home field bye for the first round uh, of the playoffs with potential if San Fran loses to be the one seed uh, if they do if they, if they lose to the Lions they open up the door for the Saints to come up and grab the two spot it, but as long as the Packers take care of business and the 49ers take care of business, uh, the Saints will be playing on Wild Card Weekend and would be matched up uh, against either. No, they will be matched up against the Vikings. It would be a rematch of the Minnesota Miracle. The locked into the four seed is is the winner of the NFC East, the worst division in football. The Eagles are about to win it at eight and seven. They have head to head now over the Cowboys, who are seven and eight. The uh, Cowboys still, however, can win the division, I believe. If the Eagles slip up to the Giants and the uh, Cowboys can take care of business against the Redskins, I believe that would vault the Cowboys back into the division lead. So uh, that is your NFC playoff picture. Again, now I do want to check one thing, and I apologize for not knowing this off the top of my head because, again, as as we've discussed, the holidays are just kind of a mess. But I'm interested to see what would happen if the Seahawks beat the 49ers. Would they be the two seed or the three seed? They would be the three because they got beat by Teddy Bridgewater. That's right. They got smacked by the Saints at home. So if the Saints were to go 13-3, and and the Seahawks were to win the division at 12 and 4 they would be the 3 regardless so the Saints are really rooting for the Seahawks and the Lions in, in those games uh with the Packers and the in in the 49ers to vault themselves into into a a first round bye so i mean really crazy when you think about that the one seed all season long the 49ers could end up as a wild card team and a 5 seed uh at the conclusion of this sunday and the Packers and Saints could be getting home field buys to start the postseason. So if the Seahawks are able to defeat the 49ers, here's what the seeding would look like. 
assuming the Packers take care of business, they would be the one seed. They would be followed by the Saints, who would be the two seed, which would be followed by the Seahawks, who would be the three seed, followed by the Eagles, four, 49ers, five, Vikings, six. If the 49ers took care of business and the Packers lost to the Lions, assuming the Saints win, it would be 49ers, Saints, Packers, Eagles, Seahawks, Vikings. Now, let's, uh, for shits and giggles here, say that the Seahawks win and the Green Bay Packers lose. The Saints would be vaulted all the way up to uh, the number one seed. They would be followed by the Packers at number two. They would be followed by the Seahawks at number three, Eagles four, 49ers five, Vikings six. So there is still plenty of intrigue on this Week 17 uh, uh, NFL weekend. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be certainly interesting to watch. Now there are like several throwaway games between teams that don't matter, but there's definitely enough, especially in the NFC, I think, to make it really intriguing. And there actually is no Saturday games. Uh, games start Sunday at noon. So now I want to go through that we've discussed the playoff picture. I'd like to go through and talk about. Uh, some of the coaches that could be on the hot seat. We'll start in the AFC, and let me just scroll down to the bottom of the standings here. Uh, and Im- immediately you see uh, the Chargers at 5-10 and 10 are probably going to move off of their head coach, Anthony Lynn, I would think. Now, the Chargers and Dean Spanos have been known to be a little on the cheap, cheap side, but I think that this would be a fantastic landing spot for Ron Rivera, who is a defensive coordinator for the Chargers before... Uh, before he left to go become the head man of the Carolina Panthers. I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that Anthony Lynn is probably going to struggle to keep his job, and I think that he will be fired probably at the conclusion of the Chiefs game, if not on Black Monday. Now you look at the rest of the division, I think everybody else is safe. Vic Fangio is not going to get fired. Neither is John Gruden. You go down to the AFC South, and unfortunately, I think fourth place again, uh, Doug Marone is probably going to get the axe. I think the... Shad Khan is going to have to clean some house there. They already let go of Tom Coughlin over the uh, the uh, infractions he had against the league when it came to showing up. Uh, I believe he was fining players illegally, like Dante Fowler was one of them, for not showing up to rehab injuries during a time in which you can't force uh, a player to report. They can get their rehab wherever they wanted during the offseason, and uh, Tom Coughlin was... was uh, he was finding guys for that, which it, honestly, I heard another another uh, scout say this, and he said it was embarrassing, and I agree with him. That's like, it doesn't completely tarn, tarnish your legacy by any means, but it's not a great look. I mean, that's just kind of an embarrassing move, and I get that you, he, Tom Coughlin's an old school hard ass, but eh, get with the times, man, or, or get out of the way, because that that's just, it's just so embarrassing, because now you're, like, they've lost players over this because they ended up trading Fowler because they couldn't get along with Tom Coughlin in the front office. Tom Coughlin's picking fights with Jalen Ramsey, which led to another trade. You're rubbing your star players, your best players the wrong way. And for what? Like, what exactly do you even do, Tom Coughlin? Because they don't say you're the GM, yet you pretty much are the GM. And most most people in league circles think he has a lot of power over there. But what the hell are you even doing talking to the players? You're the you're the pseudo general manager. They gave you some fake phony ass title. We don't even know what you do. So 
That was the first domino to fall. Doug Marone's probably going to be the second. It's just kind of what happens when you draft a guy in the top 10 at, and he doesn't work out as a quarterback. I mean, as talented as the, the defense is, as, as many picks as they've hit on, and how well they've done in free agency with A.J. Bouye, Calais Campbell, if you mess up that quarterback pick, it sets your franchise back. I mean, five to 10 years. And you're seeing it happen with the Bears as well. It's just... It, the writing was kind of on the wall. The second Blake Bortles didn't really work out, and then Nick Foles came along, and you had a feeling that the Philly Magic was going to run out at some point. He gets injured, can't stay healthy. Now, they think they got something in Gardner Minshew, at least enough to develop. I don't know if he's a starter in the National Football League for life, but he's at least a guy you could be uh, at that number two, that QB2, and he can play QB1. I think I think he's at least earned a shot. Uh, so we'll see, but Doug Marone probably going to get the axe. Nobody else in the AFC is probably getting fired. I think really the only question about the AFC North is the Browns. Do the Browns fire Freddie Kitchens and start over, or do they give him another year, swallow their pride, and try to have some consistency? Now, I think that consistency is important. I think you can't just have a revolving door of firing people. I think the Flying J and the Browns have kind of been the worst at that. I mean, it feels like they just fire everybody every two or three years but this is not the guy that I think you have patience with I don't think Freddie Kitchens is qualified for this job I think it's pretty clear that he wasn't qualified when he got the job and I th- I would fire him I think you're just wasting your time if you're hoping that it will change Freddie Kitchens at the start of last season had never been an offensive coordinator had never been an offensive coordinator by the end of the year he was the head coach <laughs> think about that dysfunction At the start of 2018, Hugh Jackson was the head coach and Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator. Neither are in professional football right now. (laughs) Uh, It's it's absolutely mind-boggling to think about. And so then they couldn't hire a real coach last offseason, so they had to keep Freddie Kitchens in. Freddie Kitchens gets the job, and this year it's just more of a train wreck. The guy just has no idea. He's really not a good play caller. He's terrible at calling plays, refuses to run the ball. Him and Baker are just not working, and I think that you have to get an adult to run the franchise because I don't think Fred, and I don't think it's his fault. He was thrust into a position that he clearly was not ready or qualified for, but you need an adult running the franchise. I would hire Mike McCarthy. Uh, looks like the Panthers are, Panthers have interviewed him, so they may offer him the job down in Carolina, but. I think the Browns, with their front office, their ties to Green Bay, John Dorsey, a lot of the executives there used to work for Green Bay with McCarthy. I think that that's a no-brainer, a no-brain hire. McCarthy is not the best X's and O's guy, but he knows how to command a locker room. He knows how to lead a team. He has won a Super Bowl. He would gel with the executives in the front office. They would have, I think, similar worldviews. Uh, when it comes to selecting talent, the philosophy of of the type of team they want to build. And he's an offensive guy who has coached Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And I think that he could help Baker Mayfield. So I think that's a no-brainer. But uh, the question is, do the Browns fire another head coach? Because I think that the, the word around the NFL is that they're reluctant to do so. You head up to the AFC East. 
You know, I don't think anybody's getting fired in the AFC East. Uh, you got Adam Gase, first-year head coach. Brian Flores, first-year head coach. Both teams have shown signs of life here in the second half of the season, so I think that's pretty cut and dry. You move on over to the NFC, and I think you could have three out of the four uh, teams in that division will have vacancies. The Cowboys are almost surely going to fire uh, Jason Garrett at the end of the year. The Giants are almost surely going to fire Pat Shermer at the end of the year. And uh, that leaves essentially the uh the Washington Redskins so what do they do because they already fired their coach so they already have the vacancy who are they going to hire they've had this some interim guy I don't even know his name who's been leading them the x amount of weeks I mean they may have to in a similar case to the Browns they may have to just hire him because I can't imagine anybody worth their salt wanting to take that job who in in who on God's green earth wants to work for Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen? Now it it sounds like Bruce Allen could finally be on his way out, but he kisses the ass of the right people. I don't know. I I, I don't know what's going to happen in Washington. It's it's the worst. It is the worst franchise in professional American sports right now. But it really is crazy. I always call the NFC East the NFC Least, and they lived up to it this year. It is all sizzle, no substance with that division. It's it's just ridiculous how it's covered in the media. And I understand that the brands are huge. you got New York, New York Giants. you got the Redskins in the nation's capital. And Cowboys are America's team. And then, of course, the Eagles with that fan base in the city of brotherly love. But... <sighs> A lot more sizzle and substance in that division. You go to the NFC North, apparently nobody's getting fired because uh, obviously LaFleur and Zimmer got to be staying put. I, I think Vikings fans are starting to grow tired of Zimmer's act. How are you going to fire him, though, after a 10-5, and potentially 11-5 and season? You just can't do it. Uh, the Bears obviously are frustrated with Nagy, but there's, there's no way they, they can him one year after being the coach of the year taking him to a division title and totally turning around what had been a train wreck of a team before he got there uh and then the lions who probably should fire their coach are running it back for another year says martha ford so they're going to give patricia and quinn another year we covered that on on last week's podcast in the nfc south uh i i think the falcons are gonna are gonna fire their coach and obviously the panthers already let go of ron rivera the Falcons have played very hard lately. They have a chance to go 7-9 and nine if they can beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. And it's a really interesting interesting case. I actually kind of think Dan Quinn's going to get another year. This is one where I think they kind of hurt themselves because I don't think Dan Quinn's a bad coach. He obviously won the NFC, made it to a Super Bowl. But I think that what they've done here in the second half of the year is they've played just good enough to not really affect any change. And if you remember, Dan Quinn fired all three of his coordinators uh, the season b- before this season. And typically when you do that, if you don't improve, then you're the next on the chopping block. And it, he, it looked like he was a sure bet to get fired about two months ago. And now, boy, I don't know. Uh, they, they've just played so much better down the stretch that it feels like the ownership there and Arthur Blank, who I think is a really good owner, they're patient people. They're not quick to uh, to 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 fire their employees. Dan Quinn may have earned another year. He may have earned himself a reprieve with how his team has played the second half. The Panthers obviously have been linked closely to McCarthy. We'll see who they hire in the NFC West. I don't think you're gonna. You're obviously not gonna have any shakeup. You got Kyle Shanahan, relatively new coach, taking the team to a potential 13 to three record. You got Pete Carroll, just ho hum. Ho-hum, another playoffs on the brink of a division title. 
maybe going to go 12 and four. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the, I, I've heard this floated out there. It's like the least talented playoff team that they've seen in a while, but I mean, they have an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. They have a good defense and, and they just have a winning culture. I mean, that's what they've been doing it on this, these last two years because people thought that they were going to collapse last season and all John Schneider and Pete Carroll did was buckle up the chin strap and head back out for more made the playoffs. Now, they lost to the Cowboys in the first round, but nobody thought they'd even get there. It was a miracle that they made the playoffs last year, and not a lot of people thought that they'd make the playoffs this season. I think that if you asked anybody, especially if you if you said the Niners are going to win the division, they would have put the Rams in that second spot, but uh, it, it's been the Seahawks, and real credit to what they've done, man. The way that they have turned over that franchise and the talent in the locker room to just keep on winning. They they got something they have something really special there right now. And they just got hit with the injury bug. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny's on IR. Uh so they signed uh Marshawn Lynch back. <laughs> so that should be interesting to see in, in week seventeen. I believe they also got uh Robert Turbin. I believe they signed him as well. So a couple of reunions for the Seattle backfield. Also, C.J. Procise, who was their third guy, got injured as well. Uh, unless Cliff Kingsbury's one and done, which I don't, I don't think will happen. The Cardinals have actually been pretty fun to watch this year. Hasn't really shown up in the win column, but you're building something. Kyler Murray can play, man. He can play. He's, he's the best quarterback in that draft, bar none. Uh, and he, he's already proven it. He is really, really talented. You know, Kyler Murray, for as much as he runs around, has not lost a single fumble this year. You know, the guy Dave Gettleman traded up to take with his first pick has lost 10 fumbles. He has fumbled a total of 16 times and has lost 10 fumbles. Kyler Murray has not lost one fumble this year. I mean, it really is impressive when you think about what they've done. And I'm not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury guy, but if they can get... If they can get some players in there, if they can get the roster ready to compete, I think Cliff's good enough to to get them to the playoffs. I really do because Kyler's a player. They hit on that pick. I'm telling you, they hit on it. So uh, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Bear with us if the sound, if it's a little too loud, if I was too hot on the mic this week, or if it's a little quiet. We're figuring it out. It's the first time I've used it, but it should sound much better quality at least. So uh, we'll see you back next week for the playoffs. We'll be down to uh, to 12 teams. It'll be it'll be fun, man. Uh, can't wait for it. I'm ready for postseason football. I'm kind of over the regular season. Next week we're going to uh, break down the strengths and weaknesses of every playoff team. So we'll get you prepared for Wild Card Weekend. Uh, Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Enjoy the holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you on Sunday.